Alexis. If it's your first time listening to She Is Becoming, welcome to the show. We are a podcast of multi-generational women studying God's word together, dedicated to being transformed by the renewing of our mind. You can bend our episodes on all the major podcast platforms and on the Minnesota Grace Church app and website. If you're a loyal listener and haven't subscribed to our podcast, screen record you hitting the subscribe button on your phone. DM it to us at She Is Becoming Podcast for a special treat. Well, I am your co-host Delaney and I am here in the studio with my co-host Bev and we're going to change up our signature question today okay I promise we'll go back to the other one but we're going to change it up a little bit today so Bev what is the best advice you've ever been given you know when you asked me that I had to stop and think what is what it what would it be and um I immediately went to this I worked with a woman who really helped me understand what it meant to be born again Hmm. and um it was under her witness that I really received Christ and she gave me the best advice I think I've ever had and her advice was this read your Bible five minutes every day Hmm. so simple yeah read your Bible five minutes every day and then she told me about having a seven up where you read the Bible for five minutes and then the last two minutes you pray Hmm. and so you know that's your seven up every day and that was new to me to read the Bible every day okay so I started reading the Bible every day, and I still read the Bible every day. At now, least five minutes. Oh, for sure. I read through the Bible every year now. Mm-hmm. I love God's Word. I've been teaching God's Word. I, I treasure every word in the Bible, and that all started with that best advice ever given read your Bible five minutes a day. That's really good advice. And I love that it's just, it, I feel like sometimes we oversimplify that like we oversimplify like how do we get closer to god and we say read the bible and we're like oh whatever like i don't really like whatever about it but we don't realize you don't realize to read the bible every day is to know and learn about god it is it is it is so important more important than to know god amen i love that that's good advice yeah so that was my my good advice and i pass that on to as whoever is listening today so delaney have you ever had a passage of the bible when you've been reading it daily just like stop you yes several times stop you in your tracks recently i did i even felt like chills go down my Mm, my body that's Um, that spirit yes this was a passage that the Lord really drew my attention to. I have been reading in First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles where it describes the lives and the reigns of Israel and Judah. It's sobering to look at how many of these kings did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Some started out awful but ended well, but the majority ended poorly, not following the Lord. Mm. Each king, of course, has their own story to the wise of their finish. But Delaney, today, let's take a look at a couple of these and discover what it means to finish poorly or to finish well. I don't know about you. I want to finish this life as a woman following God, not one who did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. Or after faithfulness to let pride lead to a downfall. Yeah. We're never free from the temptation mm-hmm. and the, the, I mean, that's just always right at our heels. We have to be aware not to let that pride get the best of us and cause us to fall away from the Lord. You know, I just heard a young man complaining how the older Christians need to step up and care and mentor for the young ones in the Lord. But here's what I think happens to people as we age um, and why some don't finish well. Uh, And this is what I told him. I said, you know, as we age, we become a little more self-focused and we seek more of a peaceful life. We want to be free from responsibilities. And 
we have served so long, we, in our minds we say, well, let somebody else do it now. But is that the right attitude? Is mm. that finishing well? Or is that giving up? Yeah. And is that what God has called you to? Right. Like at the end, does he call you to just kind of like fizzle out? Yeah. It's like one of our pastors here said, you know, there's no retirement. You only refire. And you know what? That is you, Bev. You, uh, you, uh, you keep going in each new season. Bev taught BSF for like 30 years. And now look at her podcast co-host. She, this woman does not stop. Talk about like continuing to finish well. I can't. I can't. I'm like Jeremiah. If I don't speak God's word, it burns in me. I have to get it out. That's good. I think you're like that, Delaney. Amen. (laughs) Well, let's look at the first example here. Um, This is the King Asa, and he's from 2 Chronicles 14 through 16. And his story, uh, he was the son of Abijah. He had a godly father who sought the Lord, and Israel was blessed because of that. But then his son Asa succeeds Abijah, and all is well for 10 years. Chapter 14, verse 2 reads, Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of his God. Even one of his prayers is recording, revealing his dependence and his worship on God. And God was busy defeating Judah's enemies. Uh, the good things and bad things, he did both. Would yeah. you tell us about a few of those? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There was a lot of really good things um, that Asa did during his kingship. Um, but it, it's always funny, too, when you read these passages of the Bible, like it, their kingship begins when somebody dies. Like it's kind of morbid when it starts, but it says, it says that Asa's kingship began when his father Abijah died. And it says that he did what was good in the eyes of the Lord before. Um, and, and what he was doing was he removed the pagan altars and the statues. Um, and then he also commanded the people of Judah to obey God. It actually says twice in second Chronicles 14, it says that Judah was at peace under, under his leadership. And, And it actually says, um, he says that he built up the fortified cities of Judah since the land was at peace and no one was at war with him during those years for the Lord gave him rest. It actually says that under Asa, like the land prospered. And so when the Cushites, they began to wage war on peaceful Judah, um, Asa called on the Lord and he relied on him. He was led by the Lord led by the Lord and his faithful servant Asa, they crushed the enemy. And so this is just a true marker of like how Asa did right in the eyes of the Lord. doesn't mean that everything was perfect, but it means that when hard times did come, like Asa relied on the Lord. In Second Chronicles 15, Asa continued to follow God, tearing down every idol and brought the people back to God when his grandmother made an Asherah pole to worship, like Asa destroyed it. Um, and so there were a lot of really good things that Asa did, but, um, then we get to the end towards the end of his life and things start to turn and things start to get bad toward the end of his reign in second Chronicles 16, Asa's rule took a turn for the worst. Um, the King of Israel became a threat against Judah at this time. They were separated Israel and Judah. And so Israel becomes like a threat to Judah and in an attempt to make a treaty and gain an ally like Asa took gold and silver from the Lord's treasuries in his temple and Asa became cohorts with the king of Aram 
And he was using the treasures from the king's temple to work with this other king. And in the Old Testament, this has happened before where kings have taken the Lord's sacrifice, like sacrifices or treasures, and it always ends badly. Whenever you take stuff from the temple that belongs to the Lord, I'm telling you, it always ends badly in the Bible. And then Asa and the king of Aram like attacked Israel and they overtook and looted Israel. A prophet of God called Asa out. We see this in the Old Testament. He said that why he relied on his partnership with the king of Aram instead of on God. Like, why did he rely on this king when God had already protected them and been and been there for them? Why would he rely on this king when the Cushites, like, why didn't you do what you did when the Cushites attacked? Like, you already have done it. And the prophet said, yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I love that verse. It, it, there's a lot of truth packed into that one phrase there? even right there. So then the prophet reveals Asa's judgment for his disobedience. It says, the prophet says, you have done a foolish thing and from now on you will be at war. So Asa's anger caused more sin after this. He didn't repent. He kept going. He put the prophet in prison and he actually started oppressing all the people. And so then um, part of this is judgment was he was afflicted with a disease and he refused to seek God, only doctors, and he died. Um, and so we, we, we always believe that doctors that, I mean, God has like given doctors this gift to heal us, but you still have to rely on the Lord. Doctors are still people. And so he only sought doctors instead of God. So what is really to be learned from this life of Asa? At the beginning of his reign, Asa relied on the Lord and reliance on God brings victory. You can see this in in, in that war that was when the Cushites um, waged war on Judah. And so in Chronicles 15, a different prophet said something to Asa that really struck me. It said that the Lord is with you when you are with him. He doesn't say that God will add up the percentage of your life that you serve him and base your judgment off of the majority of how you lived. It says, if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. That is a powerful verse in the Bible. And so whether you are at the beginning, middle, or end of your life, you are called to rely on the Lord because the Lord is with you when you are with him. There, there is no time gauge on this. You, this is a call on your life. And when you don't, it's disobedience. So relying on self instead of God is, is a sin. When you delay relying on God to fight your own battles, that's sin. The life of Asa proves this, that at every stage of our, our, of our life, we have to rely on the Lord. There is not a situation. There is not a stage that would exempt us from relying on the Lord. So this is also kind of disappointing to me. I don't know about you, Bev, but when you read this, like for him to tear down the idols and be doing so good. And then at the end of his life, just get caught in disobedience like that. It was really disappointing. It is, but it's not uncommon. Not uncommon. It's not uncommon. You can have a great start to your Christian walk and then 
because of this or that or this or some reason we think in our head, we kind of start falling away and we are no longer walking with the Lord. Mm-hmm. So it's it happens and it happens when pride gets in there. I think this this is the overall Hugely. lesson to how to finish mm-hmm. well is to be humble and to follow God, obey God. Another Old Testament king is important to mention, and that's King Joash. We find his background in Second Kings and in Second Chronicles. His life was actually a miracle. The grandmother to um, Joash, Athalia, oh, she was a wicked woman, Mm -hmm. slaughtered the rest of the family so she could rule. But then as a young child, Joash was spared and hidden for a time until he was able to take the crown because he was the entitled one, the descendant of the king that was left. But she didn't know that. The priest Jehoiada and his wife cared for Joash. They hid him. They provided for him. Then when the time was right, the priest revealed Joash to be the rightful era rightful heir, not era, (laughs) rightful heir of the throne. Joash was a reformer. He did such good. He repairs the temple and its worship. However, after the death of Jehoiada, the priest who saved his life and helped him to seek the Lord in those early years, Joash goes off the rails. He forsakes the Lord And then a prophet named Zechariah comes to Joash, who confronts him that he has forsaken the Lord, and Joash has him stoned. Wow. Zechariah was the son of the very priest Jehoiada, who had saved the king's life. So this is is the thank you he receives. His son is murdered by Joash. That's evil. Yeah. And as Zechariah this son of of the priest, was being stoned, he said to King Joash, may the Lord see this and call you to account. What sobering words. Mm. Because it says he had forsaken the Lord. It says Joash was wounded in battle and then killed by his own officials for this murder of Zechariah. Isn't that something? His Mm -hmm. own people turned on him because of that. Uh, So what are the truths that can be gleaned from Joash's life when we think of finishing well? Well, first of all, our faith must be our own. Mm -hmm. See, if it's not real, it's not going to last. That's how you know someone has the real faith, when when it endures. Well, it can't be dependent on a spiritual leader. No. Like if my pastor dies or whatever, like I can't, that can't be what my faith is tied to. No. And, And you will be tested in that because you will have Christian leaders that fall before your eyes and it will test you in that. Joash seemed to borrow the faith of the priest who rescued him. And when he was gone, the real Joash emerged. Mm. You know, do you have a real faith of your own? Is it borrowed from someone else? When our spiritual mentors are not looking, do we betray the faith we claim? Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Now I see as a second hindrance to finishing well here is a lack of gratefulness and loyalty for Jehoiada. The priest, by killing his son, For a message Joash didn't want to hear. Hmm. Just no gratefulness there, no loyalty. When truth hurts, we often want to silence the messenger. Wow, that's huge. And I do see a picture here of Jesus Christ, God's one and only son here. The religious leaders called for the crucifixion of Christ. They too did not want the message Christ came to give. It too would mean a loss of their perceived power. But Christ rose again and he now will be the judge. To those who receive him, he gives eternal life. To those who reject Christ, they stay condemned in their unforgiven sin. Should we look at one more? Yeah, I mean, there's so so many kings, but 
Um, another king in these this collection of passages that we've been studying is King Uzziah. He also began by doing right in the eyes of the Lord. He tore down the false idols. He depended on the Lord during battle. Um, and he was really like a weaponry innovator. And he was a very powerful military leader. And the same phrase that was used for Asa is true for Uzziah. It said that the Lord is with you when you are with him. That is just what keeps striking me over and over. And so God gave him immense success. It says that in second Chronicles 26, 15 and 16, it says his fame spread far and wide for he was greatly helped until he became powerful. Wow. Right there <laughs> tells you a lot, doesn't it? That pride. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord, his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So this was not something that was Uzziah's to do. Um, he was not to act like a priest and go into the temple. This was not a job that was reserved for him. And so he disobeyed the Lord in that. And so success and reliance on the Lord bled into pride and pride kills prosperity. Like that's what killed all of the success that God had given him was this pride, this sin, this disobedience. And so relying on the Lord is the difference between incredible victory and incredible defeat like that. That's, that's what's going to set you apart is your dependence on God. And at the end of Uzziah's life, his pride poisoned all the good things he had done for the Lord. And even worse, it poisoned his own heart. Dead. Like it hurt him too. Mm-hmm. Uzziah was judged for his sin. Um, when he came into the temple to burn incense, he was violating God's law. And so leprosy broke out on his body and he had it until he died. And so at the end of his life, Uzziah really played the harlot. Like he was unfaithful to God by trusting himself over God. And that, that never goes unnoticed and unpunished by God. Mm-hmm. Our, our disobedience, our sin, um, and then us, us thinking that we are on the same level or better or no better than God. Yeah. Wow, very humbling, isn't it, to read this? Let's look at another one. We could also talk about Josiah, who was a good king who trusted in the Lord for his entire reign. So sometimes we can think they all went down the tubes, but they Mm -hmm. didn't. Josiah was one who stood for the Lord his entire life. We could talk about David, who was the second king of Israel, who sought the Lord, but yet sinned with adultery and then covered it up with murder. Mm -hmm. But the difference, here's the difference from these other kings. The difference we see is that David repented and so he finished well. Yeah, Repentance is the way back to finishing well. Mm. Let's look at some New Testament examples as well. Peter. Peter, you know, he was so overconfident, he wasn't going to deny the Lord. And yet, what does he do in the garden? He denies the Lord three times. Peter, like David, though, through repentance, finished well. Mm-hmm. We have Thomas, another disciple of Jesus. He was absent when the resurrected Lord appeared to the disciples and so said this, unless I see with his own eyes and touches Christ's wounds, he would not believe. Well, Christ appears and he said to him, blessed are those who believe without seeing. Thomas too repented in that he makes the greatest confession of faith as he responds with my Lord and my God. Thomas was a skeptic, and some skeptics remain a skeptic and so do not finish well. Mm. There's never enough evidence. They remain in their sin and the judgment of God, and this is certainly not finishing well. Then there's the Apostle Paul. 
the Apostle Paul was uh, Saul to begin with. He was a persecutor of the faith, and he consented to the stoning of the death of Stephen, and he hunted down and imprisoned Christians. Then he was knocked off his high horse as Christ came to him and called him to serve him the rest of his life. Paul finishes well, even though he was headed in the wrong direction. Again, the repentance brought him back into finishing well. Listen to these very encouraging words that he wrote in 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I love what you said um, about repentance. Um, that I mean, we're never going to get it perfect, but repentance keeps you from remaining in sin. Yes, it and does. And so you can finish well, obviously not perfectly. It never says per- we never say perfectly, but you can finish well when you are repentant. Yes. That's the way back. I love that you said that. That's huge. So I really think back, honestly, um, when we talk about finishing well, I always think about races, and I think back to my track and cross-country days. And when you start running a long-distance race, at first you're like, this is really easy. Like, I can do it. I just started. <laughs> sure. like, I'm hyped up on my energy drink. But as you continue to run, you become exhausted uh, you get really thirsty, your side starts to cramp. And if you were anything like me in cross country, you would try to cheat or find an excuse to stop running. <laughs> I'm kind of kidding, but there were a few times where my coach was like, you just missed like half the course. And I'd be like, I know. Um, cause I was just trying to get out of there. Okay. I was a bad runner, but the first part of the race is, is always the easiest. You're excited to be there. Your anticipation has been building. You're more motivated. You're more motivated than at the end of the race. But at the end of the race, your compassion wanes, the exhaustion sets in, and you just want to be done sometimes. So in the Bible, when our life is compared to running a race, it makes sense. The uphill battles, the exhaustion, the lack of passion weakens towards the end. And in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, it encourages believers. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So you can see a couple of things from, from this, these verses here. First is that we aren't alone in the race since the beginning of time, like saints have run the good race and they've relied on God until the end and they've succeeded. So we have people that have done this before us. You have people next to you who are doing it as well. You are not alone in this. Second, we never outgrow things that hinder our faith and falling into sin. We are in a lifelong race against sin. It is always something we are going to have to run from and flee from. And so throwing off these hindrances is going to help us finish well. Third, we fix our, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Jesus endured life without sinning. And that's what pioneer and perfecter of faith means. So fixing your faith on, fixing your eyes on Jesus will inform you how to live your life because he did it. Fourth, Jesus ran the race with joy. We can't miss that part. He ran it with joy. He didn't barely get by. He didn't complain the whole time. He endured with joy. His reward was being back in the presence of God. And that is our reward, God's presence. And until I'm with God in eternity, I want to run the race with joy. I think that that's something we all need to do. So do you. I feel like sometimes we just... 
man, the joy thing is hard and life is hard. And so we need to remember that this is something that God is calling us to, is to be joyful through suffering, through hard. And that's also how we finish well, is joyfully. Yeah. Thank you, Delaney. That is, it really inspires me. Doesn't this inspire you yeah. to want to finish well? And this is why we need to cheer each other on in the body of Christ to help us, help each of us finish well. Well, I besides these very encouraging uh, verses. I have another way that I keep myself encouraged in order to finish strong. In my Bible, I have very yellowed uh, obituaries that I've cut out of the paper. I have three of them. One is Bob Glockner, who uh, brought was an instrumental in bringing Bible Study Fellowship to the Twin Cities and also just a godly man. Many, many people know Bob Glockner, and I have his obituary in my Bible. Just as a reminder to finish well, um, after making a life-changing commitment to Jesus Christ at age 18, his passion for spreading the good news about Jesus led him to a lifetime of Christian ministry and service. Mm. God used Bob to share the gospel widely and disciple countless people through service through Navigators, Billy Graham's Crusade, a Bible Study Fellowship, and one-on-one -on -one mentoring. So that right there motivates me. Another one, this was from a small-town paper, uh, Renald Norling, age 96, uh, died at, in the Pioneer Nursing Home in Luck, Wisconsin. And it goes on to describe his life. A very important part of uh, Ronald's life was his personal relationship with Jesus. He read the Bible daily, spent much time in prayer. He was an inspiration to everyone he met, including the last four years, sharing his faith at the nursing home. That's beautiful. And then and another the nursing one. Home. I know. That's sweet. Hulda. Oh. <laughs> Hulda. I just love the picture. Look at I wish you could see her picture. She just so you know sweet lady. Yeah. Sweet white haired, little rim you know, rimmed glasses, and I can just see the <laughs> shoes even. Hulda Stahl, eighty nine of Bridgewater, passed away in twenty fourteen. And it says about her, our, the children are writing her obituary, our mother was a lifelong student and teacher of the Bible. She taught Sunday school for as long as we can remember, as long as she was able. She was the junior Sunday school superintendent, planned the annual Christmas program for most of our growing up years. She ministered to the college and career youth, sending them handwritten letters and our daily bread devotionals. She was a regular participant in neighborhood Stonecroft Bible studies. Our mothers had a passion to spread the gospel around the world and often hosted missionaries in our home. She prayed for all 63 of us by name at least once a day. Her prayer included extended family, neighbors, communities in needs, churches, leaders, missionaries, and fellow believers around the world that what is my obituary going to say how am i going to finish yeah this these are my heroes they may be nobody in the world's eyes but to me these people are my heroes that's so amazing that you have that in your bible like to spur you on that's really absolutely, cool absolutely absolutely so I said I was going to give some practical things. How do we finish well? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, ask the Lord to help you to persevere. You're going to have times where you're weary, where you kind of want to pull back. Uh, Hebrews puts it, shrinking back. Don't shrink back. Yeah, the mission isn't over. No. Uh, you have to ask the Lord for the strength. You can't carry on in your own strength. Give daily attention to the Word of God, the Bible, and to prayer. That's mm. an essential to finishing well. Be on guard for pride and self-sufficiency. You can become a sluggard. You can become burnt out mm -hmm. where you're doing more than really you should. And so then you kind of um, walk away. 
Uh, obey God in loving him and others, serving sacrificially. Remember, it's about others. It's about serving yeah. Christ. Have people in your life to help you stay accountable. Mm, that's, that's huge. That's huge. Remember, if you feel you've blown it, repentance is the way back to finishing yeah. well. And lastly, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil, Ephesians 5. Keep that in mind. The days are evil. You have to take every opportunity God gives you to do the good that he's calling you to do. You know, Jesus had a costly finish. Think about his prayer in the garden Mm -hmm. where he bled blood. Yet he rose again and said several times his goal was to finish the work the Father gave him to do. He persevered to the death. Hmm until he declared it is finished, the great work of redemption complete. Yeah, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Would you pray for us, Delaney? I would. Lord, I just pray that all of these stories that we heard about these different kings would just really sink into our soul. Um, I pray that we would be sisters who finish well and who do right in your eyes. I pray that we would draw near to you because we know that you draw near to us. I pray, Lord, that for the sister out there who's maybe feeling burnt out or like she's not finishing well, I pray that you will bring her to repentance so that she can continue to do your work because you still have a mission and assignment for us. You have a, still have a calling of our life. It never ends. Until death, we are going to serve you and follow you. So I pray that you would help us do that by your spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it was great to be with you, sisters. Join us in two Mondays on She Is Becoming.